0: Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in his love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's word together.
1: Just draw your attention with me, please, to uh, chapter one. I'm just gonna read through this for you, kind of in a flyby. Uh, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and and, 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 and it's here, trust me, you can look it up for yourself in the original. It's not just in God the Father, but it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, to the church, the church of the Thessalonians, in God. Now, he's really going to put emphasis on this that we will certainly take some time and look at, primarily next weekend, this whole idea of in. It's fascinating. Watch it with me. Watch it develop. Um, In God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. In our prayers. Everyone say in. you got a praying church that you're in the midst of this morning. And and I would would love for you to rally around prayer with us even more as we go forward together in the grace and in the love and in faith. This is Paul's heart making mention of you in our prayers for the kingdom of God, who you are uh, of the circumcision Uh, I'm sorry, look at verse three. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in, there it is again, in our Lord Jesus Christ. This ought to be the hinge in your life. This ought to be the foundation in your home. Everything we've looked at in this last parental series should be a life that is being Built and based upon what Paul is sharing here. Look what he's saying. Remembering without ceasing. This guy's just continually seeing that prayer is an ongoing conversation that never comes to an end. This is an ongoing conversation of inclusion, of wanting to include the Lord in every single part of your day and portion of your life. And so that's what he's pouring out for this church. He's saying, I'm remembering you and your work of faith and your labor of love and your patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, verse four, beloved brethren, your election by God. For for our gospel didn't come to you in word only, but also, what, what? in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sakes. I would, I would love to just believe that God has a letter like this for us. As he has, through Paul, written a letter like this to the church of the Thessalonians, how much do we want for our lives and ministry combined together to be known for this? What a letter, what an encouraging thought it is that, that, that God Almighty with His mercy and love and His grace pours out through Paul such a word of, 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 of strong encouragement that I, I see what you're all about. And that it is hinged in the power of the Holy Spirit in much assurance. Look at verse 6. For you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. So there's been some hardships where this whole thing has, has, has come about and been established in much affliction with joy. The joy hasn't been lost in the the midst of much affliction. The the joy hasn't been lost. The the joy of the Holy Spirit, a piece Paul would write about, right? He would would, would write, and and, and we'll get to it in this letter. It's amazing letters, fascinating, these these two-part books. And he was really only in, we'll learn next week, and he was only in Thessalonica. Anybody know? We're told in Acts chapter 17, he's only there for three Sabbaths. He's only there for three weeks. He's only there, you want to stretch it out? He's only there for a month. And yet the impact that is made, the lasting fruit. Now there's a lot of places that we could get on a boat or on a plane and go visit and and, and who Paul is writing to really isn't there anymore. We're going to be in Ephesus actually in about a week and a half. There's not much left of Ephesus to speak of. Or Colossae, where we just were in our study through the New Testament. But you know something about Thessaloniki? In light of all of the affliction and trouble and difficulty that they faced, that town is still booming. It's still there. So he writes, and he writes about this Legacy. He writes about the example that they have become. He writes about the fact that they didn't allow the afflictions to derail them. Why? How? I want to know. What's the secret? Ultimately, he says this. Just a few more verses for you as we intro into this whole deal. Look at verse 7. So that you became examples. And this would be so cool, you guys, for it to be said about us where North County is concerned, where San Diego is concerned, where the society that surrounds us and the culture that we have been called to impact and the light that we are to be, that it could be said of you and I, would you just pray for this with me as we study? That you have become examples in all of Macedonia and Acacia who believe. For from you, check this out, from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. Not only in Macedonia and Acacia, but also in every place. Could you just make that your mandate? Could you just sort of say, that's what we as a family want to be about. That the word of the Lord would sound forth. At this time in history, at the end of the age, you guys, this is what we'd be about. Not just in our little cul-de-sac or immediate sphere of influence within our own family oh certainly there yes but much more than just there it is sounded forth not only in Macedonia your town or Acacia your county but every place your faith toward God has gone out I love it your faith toward God has gone out so that we don't even need to say anything wow Wow, we didn't even say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what matter of entry we had to you and how, how, how you turned to God from idols. Here's their testimony. How you were living for this and now you've turned and are living for God. you turned from the idols to serve the living and true God. I, I want you to underline the word serve. How is he in your life being served? How is he? How could we together, even as Stephen has encouraged us this morning, end this fiscal year of ministry strong and sound and, and into the next challenge of an exciting ministry year that's ahead of us with a, with, a, with, a, with a full sail, you guys. Pedal to the metal. He's like, you've been known for this. You have left the old things to serve the new, the living and true God. And here's the word eminent, look at verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven. He's coming, his, 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 his return, it's eminent, it's you guys, it is. This will be very prophetic, this, this time and season and series that we'll study together. And to wait, and he's like wanting them to wait with bated breath, like at the edge of the cliff at the edge of the stage just waiting to leap you guys to leap into his arms are you living for that are you longing for that are you waiting for that they're like they're like they're like they're like known for this you're known for waiting anticipating the imminent return of his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead hallelujah raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Can you say amen? Can you say amen, amen, amen. So what I've entitled it, what I've called it is this. Check it out. Uh, the chief aim of God, man, in the church. That's a big chunk. The chief aim of God, what is it? Do we know? For we would have to know that in order to be known for this. Agree? So what is the chief aim of God? What is the chief aim of man? What is the chief aim of the church? We'll get to it. There's a lot to say about it, certainly even in this first chapter, in the, in, in the, in the first 10 verses. And, and I, I, I ask you to spend some time this week just reviewing and absorbing what Paul has laid out before the bride, before the body, before the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and even more for now and here as we see His return so close at hand. But to be honest, I didn't get to that. All I really got to uh, was the first line. I I don't even mean the first verse. Here's where I got stuck this morning, and I promise, we'll pick up the speed. <laughs> but I did not get past the first three words. Paul, Sylvanus, who's Silas, we know that to be Silas, and Timothy, you're like, man, you got stuck. Um, I did, and it's somewhat intimidating even to come back to my own church, home field after the weekend that we have just enjoyed. My goodness, we had some of the best teachers on the planet in our presence this last weekend, and I hope and pray you enjoyed it and soaked it all in. But maybe it was because of that, and just the blessing of them being willing to come. The relationships, maybe it was other things that happened throughout the week. This being the end of our fiscal year, is imperative upon me to do the annual reviews for our staff, and just thinking about each one of our staff members thinking about this worship team that pours so much in and practices and rehearses and sounds so good together and is growing. I mean, Rachel, brand new, first weekend here. We're thrilled. It's just continuing to grow. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was the hundreds of kids that were off to camp this last weekend or the hundreds that just left this morning from the parking lot on their way to Hume. Lord, keep them safe as they travel. Maybe it was all of that. Maybe it was more. But I think everything that Paul is about to share with us in these next two books is built on the very first line of the first verse. And I don't want it by any of us in the room to ever be taken for granted. And if it has been, let's fix it today. Because I want to share with you just for a few moments on a topic that's always been around. And yet, unfortunately, in always being around, sometimes is overlooked. And we easily could overlook it today and get right on to sort of the guts of the first 10 verses. I want to share with you something that's vital today, absolutely vital to your life and to mine. And you will never be what Christ desires for you to be without it. You will never get there without fully embracing and understanding. The concept upon which now this book begins and goes forth. Friends, it's all about friends. And I think that that word is probably needed more today in a society that daily is becoming more and more individualistic. More and more actually isolated through social media. More and more inward, we are becoming. But there is a thread, my friends, that runs itself through the pages of Scripture from Genesis all the way through the last book of the Bible, the great revelation or imminent return of Jesus Christ. And it is a concept that we must all together circle the wagons around and realize it's necessity. Realize that it is absolutely crucial for us if we in fact are going to be a part of His body, see that we are connected with one another. And I would like to submit to you this morning that it would be time well spent for our friendships in this room to go to a completely new and glorious level. Not taken for granted. Not just ships passing in the night. Not remaining as society would have us remain. Individualistic and isolated. That's what the devil has. The word devil means to divide. And he starts in Genesis by creating a wedge in the friendship and fellowship first and foremost between man and God, his creator. And then we see how the whole thing spirals out of control. You guys, we got to get back to the reality of the importance. And I guarantee you this morning this will improve your life. Putting an emphasis and priority on friendship We all long for it. Here's what we have in common. We all long for the ideal type of friendships that are represented in the first line of this book. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. In fact, when those friendships that we have and that we treasure are taken away, we hurt, we grieve. And you've all experienced probably both. The joy of having such friendships and the pain sometimes of losing those friendships. Sometimes putting our chip in the wrong place, putting our our eggs in the wrong basket. If you're still, this morning, please listen to my heart right now. If you're still giving more to your alma mater than you're giving to your church, do do you see the problem that's taking place in the world? Do we see the big picture of ultimately what we find ourselves now in the heap of a mess of? So I would like to devote at least this time this morning in speaking to the youngest in the room as well as to the oldest because it is as urgent and needed and vital and necessary for all stages of life to look together at how we find the right friends. How we keep the right friends. How about this, here's three ideas. Finding the right friends, keeping the right friends, and being the right friends. Maybe it's a little too soon for me to say it, and it'll have a little bit of a sting to it, but again, I hope and pray that you'll hear my heart, church, that I think the reason that we don't often have the great friends that are represented here in the first line of the letter of the book that we now study, the reason sometimes that we don't have those type of great friends is we're not being that type of great friend. So how could we find them? Where are you gonna go and search and look? And then how are you gonna keep them? And how are you going to be that kind of a friend? Certainly in light of all that we find happening around us in this world, it would be a well-invested time of search and study to come up with the answers of those three questions. I did a wedding this last week on the cliffs down at Del Mar of some friends in the church whose marriage completely had disintegrated. It was destroyed. I, I... I don't think it's too much for me to say, they weren't even friends anymore. This thing was so obliterated. But through the friendship of God, through the grace of His fellowship, through the love of His forgiveness, a miracle took place on that cliff the other night. And I saw these two come back together in the Holy matrimony of love and grace and forgiveness it was amazing i got my car it was one of those moments i get back in my car and i'm like lord you could take me right now i mean that was it that was awesome that's what it's all about and that's what we want to be able to celebrate that picture of what christ can do in knitting our hearts together and i just want to say this i want to say that when you realize how important this topic is The more meaningful your friendships become, the less accidental they are. Oh, we happen to meet in a bar. Oh, we happen to meet online. Oh, we happen to meet. I'm not opposed to any of those things. There's great ways for us to connect. But the more meaningful, listen, the more meaningful those connections become, the less accidental they are. You know why? I could give you a lot of quotes this morning on friendship. Let me suffice it with the best one out there. Lewis actually wrote an essay on friendship. It's one of the best essays that Lewis has ever written, bar none. Amazing. And in it, I've boiled it down and he says this for a Christian, for, for a Christian, I'm just going to sort of like speak to the Christians in the room right now. And if you're not, we'd love to make friends. You're, you're welcome here, but let me just speak to the Christians first of all. And let me just say this, and some of you in the back, I'll, I'll be your help because it's a little small print. For a Christian, there are no chances. There are no chances. You with me so far? Look what he says. A secret master of the ceremonies has been at work. He who said, you've not chosen me. Who said that? Jesus says this, John 15. You haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you. Says to every group of Christian friends, you've not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. Just wrap your, wrap your mind around that this morning. That is so good. And it should, for some of you, relieve you of the pressure. Knowing there's a master of ceremonies that's at work behind the scenes. Now, some of you don't like that. Some of you are like, I want to be the guy that's calling the shots. You need to get born again. You need to allow him to come in and be Lord of your life. Check it out. Look what he says. Friendship is not a reward for our discrimination and good taste in finding one another. Look what he says, that's not it, it's an instrument by which God reveals to each the beauty of all the others. Let me explain that for a second, let me unpack that. The essay that I'm speaking of that Lewis writes is called The Four Loves. The Four Loves, storge, that's friendship. Eros, that's erotic love. Vallejo, that's family love. That's brotherly love. And agape, that's God's love for us. And he says this about friendship. He says, this is the instrument, friendship. Friendship is the instrument through which God reveals to each of us the beauty of all of the others. The way that you become one who is experiencing The God-given gift and side of erotic love is through friendship. You remove the friendship out of erotic love, you've got nothing short of porn. You remove friendship from phileo, what kind of a family is that? It's more of a boot camp. And the agape love is completely, entirely void of its main point if you reduce from that agape love this idea of friendship. It is the friendship love. It is the friendship instrument through which God reveals to us the beauty of all the others. And at this feast, this is a beautiful part of the essay that Lewis would refer to friendship as a feast. And certainly there's a feast to come in heaven. And it would be applicable for us to to, to focus on that. But bigger than that, he says this feast of friendship in this feast of friendship, look at it, it is he who has spread the board and it is he who has chosen the guests. It is he we may dare to hope who sometimes does and often should preside. Let us not reckon without our host. Let us not silo this thing off like God is over here and we'll hang together on Sunday, but the rest of the week is mine and my mountain to build. No, he's like, let's not even reckon without the presence of this master of ceremonies that is using this in our lives to take our friendship to a whole new level. Erotic, family, friendships, and agape love in fact we just finished i mean we had to tear down this whole pg parental house and set and bedrooms and kitchen and living room and 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 i'm sort of thinking as 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 the amazing volunteers within our church were, we're so instrumental in helping build that stage and develop that series and that set and then also see it in a timely fashion removed but i'm thinking to myself with that parental series Just the very short amount of time that window is open for the parents to influence their kids. And maybe all of this is just flowing out of the sentimentalism of now joining, you know, Team Grandpa. Um, I hope my kids realize what, what I didn't at the time, how fast time was going to fly. And that window of influence over your kids, quickly transfers to who? To their friends. And probably faster than some of you as parents in the room right now would have wished that it had transferred fast. And when it comes to picking friends and choosing friends and keeping friends and being friends, there's a lot to be said where Scripture is concerned. In fact, we could sort of sum it up by saying there are really two groups, not just in this room. There are two groups in the world. There is one group of people that have still at the center of their life and existence themselves. There is the group who still make sure that everything revolves around them. Then there's another group who have seen the disaster of that plan, the misery of that plan, okay? Seriously, and have now invited the Lord into their life to be the center upon which everything revolves. And those, my dear friends, are the friends you want to meet. Those are the friends you want to make. Those are the friends you want to have. Those are the friends that you want your kids to be surrounded with knowing what the devil is up to, knowing how the devil wants to negatively influence our friends, realizing the the eminent of the time in which we live. He is certainly turning up the heat, is he not? And he always has. His first move, the devil, was to get in between that fellowship and that friendship that existed between between God and, and Adam and Eve. And then he gets in between Adam and Eve themselves. I don't know if you've heard of Jill Briscoe. Jill Briscoe is one of our favorite friends. In fact, she's coming this year to do our women's Christmas tea. And her autobiography, her autobiography, the story of her life is called There's a snake in my garden." This just isn't Eve's problem. This just isn't something that happened in the pages of Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. She's not saying there's a snake in Eve's garden. She's saying there's a snake in my garden. There is this ever-present. You're like, I don't think it's ever-present, man. I'm a Christian, man. I'm saved. Read Ephesians 6 to put on the armor of God so that you could fight off these wiles and fiery darts of the evil one, okay? So she's like, "Uh, there's a snake in my garden. There is someone that is trying daily to destroy the fellowship that exists both vertically and horizontally, okay? The foreword of the book is fascinating. It was written by Ruth Bell Graham, Mrs. Billy Graham. And I think for all of us to realize that that has and forever will be the MO and emphasis and agenda of the enemy. And so um, realize this, there is a force. In fact, even more than it just being a demonic force, there is a force upon which the majority of your decisions are affected. And you know what that force is? There is a force upon which the majority of your decisions are made. And that force flows from the friends that you choose. So back to line one in verse one. Like Paul you want to have a Silas like Paul. You want to have a Timothy like Moses. You want to have an Aaron and a Hur and a Joshua. So how did these guys enter into Paul's life? Oh, quickly, let me show you. Turn to Acts. Turn to Acts chapter sixteen. Look at this. Acts chapter sixteen verse one says, "Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy." The son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. Now we've seen a little bit, right, of that ancestry. In fact, we looked at it on Father's Day. You got Lois, you've got Eunice, and we sort of on Father's Day asked ourselves the question: where's Timothy's dad? Question is answered right here in Acts chapter 16. His mom is a believer, but his father was Greek. You can deduce from that he doesn't believe. Timothy comes from a mixed marriage. He's well spoken of, verse two, by the brethren of all who were in Lystra and Iconium and Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And so he took him and he had him circumcised. Hello. Not a baby anymore. Because of the Jews who were in that region for they all knew that his father was Greek. So he's got this new identity. Timothy does. And together verse 4, they went through the cities and delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. I love this. Look at verse 5. So the churches were strengthened. There's the there's the result. There there it is. The churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Awesome. They grew. There was fruit. And Timothy joins the team, and everybody applauds Paul and says, Great choice! Awesome guy to add! And ultimately, you got to ask yourself, how does that come about? Well, let me real quickly give you five ways in which it comes about. I'll call them the fundamentals of friendship. There are five. And I think, first of all, what we're seeing in Scripture is the fact that what you need in your life are some smart friends. Timothy, although joining this team momentarily was going to hurt, knew that the outcome and results of it would be so rewarding that any momentary pain would be totally worth it. He's smart to see the outcome. He's smart to see the goal. He's smart. You need some friends in your life. Listen to me. You need smart friends, not stupid ones. Stupid ones would go, oh, no, 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 not me. I can't do that. You're kidding? And find a way to weasel out. You want friends in your life first and foremost that are smart, that are careful, that are cautious, that are able to see the big picture even in the midst of what might in the moment be horrifically painful. You need friends in your life that are helping you to avoid the traps because there are plenty in this town. You don't need friends in your life that are helping you to fall into the pit or into the trap you don't you don't need friends that when the pain and the difficulties come are like come let's get out of here come on let's let's forget that who needs that you don't need friends like that in fact in the book of proverbs there are so many things said to us in fact if you want look at look at chapter 12 in the book of proverbs there's so many wonderful statements to us in the proverbs about friendship in fact you don't even have to worry about it i did all the work for you look at this one Proverbs 12, anxiety in the heart of man. Listen, San Diego, just wanna clear this one up. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. That's where it's coming from, okay? But a good word, a good word makes it glad. So here's the good word, here's the good word. Here's the immediate follow-up that will help cure The anxiety causing the depression. Look at the good word. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Can you say amen to that this morning, mom and dads? Amen. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. We need God's help to choose some smart friends that are going to lead us properly and not in the way of the wicked. In fact, look at this one. Here's another one for you in Proverbs 13. He who walks with the wise will be wise. It's going to rub off. But it's not just the good that rubs off. Look at this. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. That also rubs off. So be very careful. Let's become very careful about the friends that we're choosing. In fact, look at this one. Proverbs 18. You're familiar with this one, right? A friend who has, who, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Well, it's kinda, should be, pretty obvious, but I have a lot of people, a lot of people who come and go, you know, I tried it out, I tried this and I tried that, no one would talk to me, no one would be my, why don't you start by being friendly? That's Bible. Just start by being friendly. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. You're you're, you're becoming trustworthy and you're becoming reliable. How about that? Trustworthy and reliable. You're available. How about that one? You're available and you're reliable and you're trustworthy and you got tight lips. you got to be friendly in order to have friends, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I love that. I love the fact that this all flows out of the heart of friendship that God has for us. Look at this one. Proverbs 27, open rebuke is better than love concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That was a momentary wound, let's be clear, that Timothy had to endure. Some of you have. And it stings, but faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Uh, let me just throw a couple of more at you. I like this one a lot. As iron sharpens iron. Now, we hear that part of the verse all the time, but let's put it in context. It is speaking of friendship. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. Make Smart friends. Great prayer this morning. Lord, help me to make smart choices where friendships are concerned. Emerson, I believe it was Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Where's Waldo? Who names their kid Walt? Waldo Emerson said, better to be a nettle in the side of your friend than an echo. I think that's what these Proverbs are saying. And I thank God over the years for the men who have loved me enough, for the friends who have loved me enough, to at times be a nettle ah, in my side than just an echo. Secondly, not only do we need smart friends, we need sincere friends. Sincere friends. And this is what Timothy was for Paul. Sincere. And Paul was to Timothy. I think there are times where Timothy is looking at Paul and and, and sort of like a little confused saying, really? We're doing this? Seriously? Seriously? But there was a sincerity that existed between the two of them that got through the difficult times. And Paul, at times with Timothy, had to be lovingly blunt. Not just over the circumstances. There are times actually when Paul writes ahead because he can't go to the church himself, like to Philippi. And he says, I'm sending Timothy. And when he arrives, be nice to him because he's sort of like, oh, he's a real emotional guy. Timothy is the friend that Paul had where he continually is is taking the stuffing that has fallen out and and helping to tuck it back in. He actually writes to Timothy himself a couple of books, and in one of the books he says, you're so wound up, you're so anxious about life, maybe a glass of wine would help. (laughs) Paul says that to Timothy. Is that not just dripping with sincere love. He doesn't blow him off, you weakling. He loves him through. There's sincerity. Thirdly, you need friends that are steady. Now, you don't want just the steady without the sincere. You need both. You need friends that are smart. You need friends that are sincere. And Paul is that way towards Timothy. And you need friends that are steady. And that's what Silas was. You know this about Silas? In fact, if you still have opened there in your Bible the book of Acts, look how chapter 15 ends. Do you remember Acts chapter 15? Do you remember what's going on? Before you get to Acts chapter 16 where he links up with Timothy, watch what has just taken place. Look at verse 36. After some days, Paul, and Bar- Paul said to Barnabas, um, let us go back and visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word of the Lord and let's see how they're all doing. Okay, that's a great plan. Acts 15, verse 37, and Barnabas was determined to take with them John, who was called Mark, and Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them. Doesn't even name him by name. I'm not even going to name him. You know which one? That one. The one that departed from us in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And the contention, okay, the friendship splinters and the contention, according to verse 39, became so sharp that they parted from one another, and Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, verse 40, look at verse 40, and Paul chose Silas, and departed, and being commended, you know what that word means? Everybody's in favor of Paul's choice. Everyone's like, that is a great guy to add to the team being commended by the brethren to the grace of God he went through Syria and Sicilia strengthening the churches there's the same result I love it the same result at the end of chapter 15 in verse 40 is that the the church is strengthened look at look at chapter 16 you remember again when Paul chooses Timothy look at verse 5 and the churches were what What strengthened in the faith? You need friends that are smart in your life. You need friends that are sincere in your life. And you need friends that are steady in your life. And probably on Paul's worst day, at least relationally speaking, his worst relational moment, he had a friend named Silas who was as solid as a rock. He was steady for Paul when the chips were down. He could have blown him off and abandoned him too and said, man, who wants a friend like that? It seems like kind of a harsh dude to be around. He's a steady friend. He's not an acquaintance. He's not looking at Paul as a means to an end. And a lot of friends do this. There's a lot of usury that goes on within friendship. That's why you have to be determined about this thing called friendship. You've got to be clear about this thing called Friendship you got to know what you're about that it wouldn't be using one another or Silas doesn't see this as a means to an end he sees this as a decision to be Paul's friend to the end and he's steady you want to know how I mean he is so steady this guy is look where it goes from there Paul chooses Silas And um, it doesn't take very long before what had happened relationally that was so difficult pales in comparison to the other things that they are now faced with. Let me give you an example, just one real quick. In chapter 16 of Acts, look at verse 16. And it happened when they went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, that's the wrong spirit, met us and, and brought her masters much profit by fortune telling okay so she's like this slave girl and she's running the tarot card business down at balboa park she's bringing her masters a big profit and the girl check it out verse 17 look at this she followed paul and us and she cried out saying these men are the servants of the most high god who proclaim to us the way of salvation and she did this for many days she's picketing them She's interrupting them as they're preaching. She's breaking into the Bible study for many days. Look at, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. Wow! When her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they're like, what did he do? They seized Paul and who's with him? Silas, a rock solid, steady, friend in the midst of difficulty you need. Not just the ones that you're stucking, sticking the stuffing back into, but the ones that are helping you to remain steady in the midst of difficulty. There they are, Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities and they brought them to the magistrates and they said, these men, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive and to observe. And the multitude rose up against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods they laid many stripes on them that day threw them into prison commanding the jailer to keep them securely how's this going to go church anybody you know and having received such a charge they put him in the inner prison and they fastened their feet to the stocks but at midnight Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God you need friends like this you need to become friends like this not just Finding friends like that, being a friend like this, that in the midst of enormous pressure, you got somebody that comes alongside you and says, you wanna pray? How about we sing, you remember this old song? And you sing it out together at midnight and as they're singing, all the other prisoners are listening infectious it's like just spreading and suddenly there's a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison are shaken and immediately all the doors are open and everyone's chains are loose and the keeper of the prison awakes from his sleep and he sees all the prison doors open supposing that the prisoners had all fled he draws his sword he's about to commit suicide and Paul's like no 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 we're all still here don't harm yourself and he called for a light and he ran and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas And he brought him out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be free like you? What must I do to be saved? And the guy gets saved. The guy gets saved and his whole household gets saved. The guy gets saved and his whole household gets saved and baptized. Baptized to the glory of God. You know why? You know how? Because Paul had with him. Sometimes we see the apostle Paul and we just want to like in our own culture and society, put him in some type of an isolation box like it's just him. It was never just him. He had people that carried his bags. He had people that delivered his mail. He had people when he couldn't see anymore that wrote the letters for him. He had people in prison next to him that were singing and sharing and witnessing so that salvation spread forth in that prison. That's just one example to show us that we need not only some smart friends, sincere friends and steady friends and, 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 and how about this, some SS friends. Fourthly, SS friends. What do you mean? It's like Secret Service? Well, I don't know. What I do mean is this. Some friends that have your same soul. Same soul friends. That doesn't mean that you cut off your friendships with those who don't share your same soul. Paul doesn't. The jailer gets saved. He didn't have the same soul. He beat him to a pulp. But he does have in his life a Silas who shares his same soul. Who ultimately agrees with his same aim. You got that in your life. You got to have that in your life. You got to have some friends that are close to you that you are assured share your same aim. Some moms with other moms that are praying over their kids this day, this week, for the friends that those kids are gonna make and praying because they have the same soul. In other words, they're living for the sequel. Because it's the sequel in this movie that matters and not this story. This is gonna end and we wanna make sure that we have friends in our life that are keeping us focused on what really matters. What really matters? I love this from Proverbs chapter 20. It says, most men will proclaim each his own goodness. Have you ever experienced that? Like in a little conversation you're having with somebody and you're like sharing a little story and they just interrupt you and go, yeah, you know what happened to me? Me, 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 me. Next to that verse in Proverbs 20, you could add one word, Facebook. Instagram, most men live to proclaim their own goodness. Who can find a faithful friend? Someone who's cheering you on, that's believing the best, that is trustworthy in sharing your same soul. Lastly, my new favorite word, Not just smart friends and sincere and steady and soul like the guts of who you are, of what really matters inside, but you know what you need? You need some sagacious friends. (laughs) Have you heard this word? Sagacious friends, look it up. You need it bad. I need it bad, we need it huge. You know what a sagacious friend is? It's sage-like. It's like deep well-like. It's wisdom and counsel, sagacious friends from the heart that bring balance and have an ear to listen. Now, the band's coming out. And I simply want to conclude by reminding you of what should be by now most obvious. Who are we really speaking of this morning? The one who wants to be the smartest friend you could ever choose. Who this morning is your most sincere, most steady, most soul-same likeness and sagacious friend you could ever hope for? How does the whole story of the Bible begin but with a God who enters into this world long before Jesus is born in Bethlehem, a God who enters this world to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and to enjoy the friendship that He is intended for there to be and was the entire purpose of all that He had created them for. This is God's heart this is scene one and it weaves throughout the entire story of the scriptures what's portrayed a God who wants to be your friend and before you leave this campus I pray with all my heart this would be your choice to make Jesus Christ now and forever your BFF best friend some of you see him as your savior great You don't want to go to hell. Hell's hot. And forever's a long time. But you want Jesus to be more than just the guy that gets you out of hell. You want Him to be your friend. This is all about a relationship where it can be steady as the days go by. And sincere to see the point and the matter of it all even in the times of momentary pain. You want Him to be much more than just some heavenly Father. And if you were never friends with your dad and he was just your disciplinarian, then this is hard. But you have the arms of God Who says to you this morning it starts here with us becoming friends why did he save you why did he go to the cross so you could be friends so what Satan meant in the dividing of the fellowship through sin might be restored and the friendship could be sweeter than ever why is he betrayed Why is he betrayed? Why would he allow that to even happen? So that when it happens to you, and when it happens to me, we have a friend who knows what betrayal feels like. What rejection of of, of his immediate friends all bailing on him feels like, And, 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 and again he comes and he says, oh, my love for you will never change it is rock steady it is solid it is sincere I will never forsake you I will never leave you I will be with you even to the end of the age and every friendship that you have in your life needs to be built on the template of your friendship with God Ever seen tracing paper? Let your relationship and friendship with God be the tracing paper through which every single one of your friendships and relationships on earth are established and managed for His honor and glory both now and forever. So, church, who's your Timothy? Who are you helping to come alongside and pick up the stuffing and keep him going with words of admiration and encouragement. You got a Timothy in your life? Find one. Make one. Who's your Silas? Who's with you in the storms and the shipwrecks and is singing right alongside of you when you're shackled down in some dark dungeon? find one who's your paul who's your sage who's speaking words of counsel love and saneness into what otherwise is a confusing mess of hodgepodge relationships dorothy who's your scarecrow Who's your lion of courage? And who has the heart to be this kind of a friend that God is towards you to others in this community that right now remain stuck in their isolation and distance? You know what I kind of thought as the whole thing went full circle is that maybe what God was showing me this week is what that original title was truly meant to represent. This is the chief aim of God. And this is the chief aim of man. And this if nothing else is to be the chief aim of his bride, the church. Friendships, quality friendships, lived for the glory of of his name who has nothing but love and friendship extended to you today may it become our aim this summer to appreciate our friends keep the ones that we've got that are good and healthy and sincere and God honoring and to make some new ones that heaven would increase that the family would grow that we would truly see that Jesus says I don't call you servants anymore I call you friends one that sticks closer than a brother and says to us this morning, you know how San Diego will know your mind? By the love, the friendship, the connection that we know Satan is trying to destroy. We bind him in the powerful, matchless, loving, and friendship of Jesus Christ that he has for us. And when we pray for each other, You know what those prayers are like for the Lord? They are like sweet incense rising before his throne. May we stand and together let's sing of his goodness this morning.
0: Thanks for joining the Horizon Church Podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org slash live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.